Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of this today. Whether you're watching this or listening to this, whether you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or you're listening on iTunes, Google Play Music Store, Spotify, or however else you get your podcast, thank you so much for being a part of this. And I want to welcome those that this is their first time being a part of this. I want to kind of introduce what this is in case you stumbled across this by accident. But Color and Chaos simply is just a cry from my heart that I know that I have seen in my life that it's in the times of hurt, uncomfortability, chaos, confusion, in those moments where I no longer can just rely on myself. Those are the moments that I, for one, grow as a person and I grow in character and I grow in integrity. But it's also a time that I grow in my relationship with my Creator, Savior, and Sustainer, with our Creator, Savior, and Sustainer. It's not by accident that you exist, that your life has a purpose. And that purpose goes far beyond anything this world can offer. And so that's what this podcast is. And that's the mission of this podcast is just to draw near to our Creator, Savior, Sustainer through the chaos of our life. So in saying all that, I would be honored to pray for you today and for us to bring everything that we are going into today's episode together, everything that is on our heart and mind, just bring that to the Creator, Savior, Sustainer, to the one who cares and to the one who can truly do something about it. And so here, let's pray, and then we'll go into today's episode. Lord God, just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for the message that you've laid on my heart to be able to speak today. Lord, I pray that um, you use the words that I speak to um, draw me close to you and also to draw others close to you as well. Lord, I pray for those that feel um, alienated, that feel isolated, that feel hurt, that feel confused right now. Maybe they're going through something or maybe something has been done to them and uh, they're just trying to understand where you are in the midst of this. But Lord, I just pray that you just reveal yourself in a real and relevant way, that you draw near to them through this time. Lord, your word says that blessed are those who mourn for they will see you. They will see you. So Lord, there's a promise that no matter where, where we are or what we go through, Lord, we can find you when we seek you with all of our heart, Jeremiah 29, 13. So Lord, that's the prayer of our hearts. That's the prayer of my heart, Lord. We just want to seek you with our whole heart in this moment, with this day. And uh, Lord, we trust that you will meet us in this moment and you will meet us as we do so. In your name, we pray and we surrender. Amen. Amen. Do you ever have dreams where in the dream, it's just so uncomfortable that the majority of what the dream it, it consists of is you trying to find a solution to a problem? And I know I have this often, but for, for me, I, I mean, many people will call those nightmares, and I guess in a way they are, but, but I hate those dreams. I hate those dreams because it feels so real in the moment, but then all of a sudden you wake up, and, and for me, I have about like 10 seconds where it's that little like the haze transition from being asleep to awake and you're trying to just come to grips with, wait a minute, everything that I was just dealing with was a dream. Like it's, it's nothing I need to worry myself about. And I had one of those the other day, uh, two nights ago, exactly. And, 
And I remember waking up and just feeling, for a split moment, I felt very overwhelmed by everything that I went through in my dream. But then it's just like, I can just breathe and say like, wow, okay. Wow, like, yes, I'm so grateful. I don't have to worry about those situations or those conversations because they're not real. They were all in my head. They were all a dream. Recently, I read an article about drowning. And don't ask me why I was reading an article about drowning. For some reason, I came across an article and I was reading about it. And within this article, it was talking about the reality that when somebody drowns, a lot of times what you think of drowning as is what I see in TV and in, in movies is that there's somebody and they're kind of panicking and they're making a big splash and, 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 and it's just very noticeable. And maybe you've had an instance where you were almost drowning and, and that was true of you. Maybe that's what it looked like. Or maybe you've witnessed somebody um, struggling to, to swim and almost drowning and that's what it looked like to them. But in this article, it was talking about that the majority of people that drown, a lot of times the people that were around just they, – they, they say that it wasn't like a big spectacle of the person when they were struggling. But in, in reality, they didn't really even know that that person was struggling. And by the time that they noticed, it was too late. And so in this article, it was basically just kind of giving a warning that sometimes when people drown, it's not what you think. It's not what the movies show it to be. And so I don't know if that had anything to do with the dream that I had, but, but if it seemed like that idea of drowning started to kind of play out in my dream. So in my dream that I had the other day, I was at a public pool. And I was in this public pool, it was an indoor pool, and I was not in the water, but I was outside the water. So I had my clothes on, and I didn't have my, my bathing suit or anything like that, but I was just there. And there's a lot of people there. There's people outside the pool, inside the pool, and there's people swimming. There's people kind of sitting on the sidelines, just kind of laying down or whatever. And in my dream, I remember just scanning over the pool. I was just there. I, I wasn't really looking for anything particular. I was just kind of just scanning where I was at. But from the corner of my eye, I noticed that there was a man, and it, it seemed that he was kind of struggling a little bit. And I remember in my dream, real quickly noticing that the people around this man didn't notice anything at all. So even though everybody around wasn't really paying this man any attention, I know for me, when I saw the man in the corner of my eye, I, I, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, okay, this person is struggling. Like this person might be drowning. And so immediately my gaze went back towards the man and and I'm looking at this man and all of a sudden I'm with this split just decision, how I should react. That there's this man and this man is drowning and now what do I do? And I remember immediately thinking, the number one thing on my mind was, okay, he's, he's far enough that I can't reach him from outside the pool. So I'm going to have to get in the pool if I'm going to get this guy up. But also another thing I thought about, which it sounds so shallow, but in reality, I, I know that th these are things that, that sometimes take priority in our thoughts and my thoughts. And so another thing that just kind of came to my head when I was watching this man about to drown, another thing that came to my head was, okay, I'm in clothes. Like I don't want to get wet. And again, I know that sounds really shallow, but in my dream, that was, that was, that was real. That was a priority. And so I, I wanted to help. But I didn't want to get uncomfortable by getting wet. 
So instead, I started thinking, okay, what else can I do? What is the alternative of how I can get this man to not drown without getting in the pool? And so, but by the time I was thinking about that, all of a sudden at this point, he's underneath the water. And immediately I'm like, okay, I got to do something. So I call for help. People around him notice him once I do that, and they, they go to him, and they, they get him out of the water, and they put him outside the pool where I am. So they deliver this man to me where seconds ago I was watching as he was struggling to swim, but now he's been underwater, and he's inhaled water, and he's, he's not moving. He's not responding. So immediately I, I go, and I start doing CPR on the guy, and there's people all around me. And so there's kind of like this like little huddle around me. And they weren't being uh, they they weren't getting in the way or anything like that. It was just like they were there and I recognized they were there, but I I had a job and my job was to try to resuscitate this guy. And so I'm there, I'm trying to resuscitate this guy. I'm doing CPR and in my dream I remember realizing, wait, I've been doing CPR for a while now on this guy and nothing is happening. And so after many minutes go by, I start to kind of panic within my dream. Of oh no, oh no! I, this 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 man this, this man might not be alive, and so I'm doing CPR. I don't want to stop CPR, but in that moment, I just kind of said, "Okay, I need to somehow figure out if this guy's alive." So I need to check for vitals or something like that. But by the time I'm thinking about that, one of the guys in the crowd just say, "Hey, hey, I, I think we lost them." And so immediately I was kind of in denial. I didn't want to. I didn't want to believe it, you know. And and so I'm I'm checking pulses. I'm I'm trying to listen for a heartbeat. I'm trying to trying to observe any type of movement in his chest. And and I, I just can't believe that this guy's gone. But then somebody else in the crowd kind of speaks up, and they 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 reassure me, saying, "Jonah, this this guy's gone." But very quickly, it seemed like the crowd just tried to reassure me. And immediately, I'm just feeling this defeat. And everybody in the crowd is just saying, oh, it's okay, Jonah, you did as much as you could. You did as much as you could. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. You, you, you did as much as you could. And if anything, they were almost applauding me for my efforts to try to save this guy. But in my dream, I remember as I was looking at this dead body in front of me at this moment, and everybody around me didn't seem to have any type of, uh, I mean, of course they didn't like that he died, but it just didn't seem like it, it registered that I, I had something to do with this man's death. They all were oblivious to the fact that I saw this man moments before he started drowning, and I had a moment to intervene, but instead I chose to prioritize my comfort over his life. They had no idea of that. So they, they kind of started to, to disperse and go their own ways. But I'm, I'm sitting here and, and I can't feel nothing but just regret and sorrow and just anger at myself because I'm, I'm just thinking, Jonah, like you literally could have saved this life. You could have prevented all of this if only you were willing to get wet and get into the water. And all of a sudden in my, in my dream, I'm just having this like, this moment of just disgust at myself. And I, I remember I dreamed other things after that. I, it didn't really have anything to do with that scenario. It was almost like I jumped from scenarios to other scenarios and everything. But it wasn't until later on in the day when I, I, I thought back about that dream that it was just almost highlighted to me that there was a, there was a deeper meaning to this dream than just another dream. 
So recently, I've been in Acts 5, and every single day I try to spend time in the Scripture. And so in Acts 5, there was something that stood out to me that, that had a direct correlation to this dream that I just had the other day. And so I wanted to read this for you, and, and I'll be reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. And so I wanted to read Acts 5. I wanted to read from verse 12 all the way to the very end of Acts 5, which is verse 42. And as I read this, I encourage you just to just look for the uncomfortable situations in this passage and how the apostles respond to those very same uncomfortable situations. And so here, I'm going to read it. Verse 12 of Acts chapter 5. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join the believers, even though all people had held them in high regard. Yet, more and more, people believed and were brought to the Lord. Crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought onto the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from villages around Jerusalem bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. The high priest and his officials, who were Sadducees, was filled with jealousy. Verse 18, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told, and immediately they began teaching. When the high priest and his officials arrived to the jail, they convened the high council, the full assemble of the elders of Israel. They then sent for the apostles to be brought from the jail for trial. But when the temple guards went to the jail, the men were gone. So they returned to the council and reported, The jail was securely locked, with guards standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. When the captain of the temple guard and the leading priest heard this, they were perplexed, wondering where it all would end. Then someone arrived with startling news. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple teaching the people. The captain went with his temple guards and arrested the apostles, but this time without violence, for they were afraid that the people would stone them. They then brought the apostles before the high council, where the high priest confronted them. We gave you strict orders to never again teach in this man's name, he said. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teachings about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human authority. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so that the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are witnesses to these things so that, and so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. When they heard this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. But one member, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, was an expert in religious law and respected by all the people. He stood up in order that the men be sent outside the council chamber for a while. Then he said to his colleagues, Men of Israel, take care of what you're planning to do with these men. 
Some time ago, there was that fellow named Thudius who pretended to be someone great. About 400 others joined him and he was killed, and all of his followers went their various ways. The whole movement came to nothing. After him, at the time of the census, there was that man named Judas of Galilee. He got people to follow him, but he was killed too, and all of his followers were scattered. So my advice is this, leave these men alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. The others on the council accepted this advice, so they called back in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them to never again speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. As you may have observed in this passage already, there's so many things that were uncomfortable that these apostles were going through. And, and a lot of them, you know, stand out to me, and I know they stand out to you as well. But remember, this is right after Jesus was crucified and after Jesus rose again. And these apostles went from being very scared and timid to all of a sudden having a boldness and a courage through the Holy Spirit, through the same Spirit that was hovering over the waters when God created everything. And we can read about that Spirit in Genesis chapter 1. The same spirit that was, that was dwelling in Christ, that rose Christ from the dead, was now dwelling in the apostles and giving the apostles the strength and the courage and the boldness to declare and to live and to follow the example of Christ and to be his hands and feet and to tell the world that there is good news, that we don't have to no longer be slaves to our sin and our desires, but instead we can have a reconciled relationship with our creator, savior, sustainer through the savior himself, Jesus. And that Jesus frees us from the sin and rebellion that alienates us from our creator. And so the apostles have this boldness. Again, they go from being very timid and scared to now just declaring in the temple Jesus is the Messiah that the Old Testament prophesied and and promised. The Messiah, the Deliverer, that Jesus is Him. And through through having a relationship with the Deliverer, through surrendering to the Deliverer, you will be delivered. And so we see these apostles and, and we see also the same council that deemed Jesus to die by crucifixion and sent Jesus to, to Pilate. And that Pilate was pleading, saying, look, I don't find any fault in this guy. But instead, the, 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 the people and the council agreed unanimously, no, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And so he was crucified. The same council in first century Jerusalem that, that deemed for Jesus to be crucified, now the apostles, the followers of Jesus, where many, many years ago, before this moment, those apostles ran away from. They didn't want to be associated with Jesus when he was under trial because the apostles would have had to suffer as well. But all of a sudden you see this heart change that we read in Acts 5 and and we read at the very end in in verse 41, it says, the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. 
So again, we're looking at these apostles that are com- like almost like completely different people than who they were when Jesus was standing under the same council. And we see that these apostles are so overwhelmed with something so much more than their comfortability to the point that they're thrown in the prison, an angel releases them from prison, they go to the exact same place that they were before, preaching the exact same message, and knowing that, that that's just asking to be caught again. So these apostles weren't trying to get away from that uncomfortability of being thrown into prison. If anything, they were saying, look, if this throws us in prison again, so be it. But we have to obey God's calling on our lives to tell others. And it's interesting because the angel, when they, when the, the angel freed them from prison, the angel gave them strict commands to go back to where they were. So the apostles easily could have made excuses for why they shouldn't, right? I know that's the game that I play and that we play. Sometimes the Lord's calling us to one thing and, and we start to play games saying, oh, well, you know, uh, I don't know if you really know all the scenarios and reasons why I shouldn't do this. So maybe I need to tell you, but the apostles didn't do that. They didn't fight it. They said, okay, where you want us to go, we'll go. And so again, they get thrown back into prison. And when they're standing before the council, the council, the Bible says, is perplexed, perplexed. The council is just amazed that these people are still doing exactly what they told them not to do. But again, you see so much stuff happen. Not only is this the first time that the apostles were thrown into prison, this is also the first time that they were flogged. And and flogging was a process that was brutal. That was brutal. The purpose of flogging was to be so intense that the person literally would not even think about doing what they were doing before. And not only that, but Jesus himself was flogged right before his crucifixion. And we read about it in the gospel accounts of just how intense and gruesome that the flogging was. That there was skin ripped and that there was blood all over the place. And and that the, the, the process of flogging was to, to break them, to break them. It was, a, it was a way of torture to break someone in, in spirit and physically and in, in, in emotional breaking to remind them that they are subject of the authority that is over them. And the apostles are flogged, but instead of going home and healing from their wounds, they immediately start thinking, okay, what can we do next? What can we do next? How not only can we finish what the Lord began at, at, there at, uh, using us at the temple, but there's, there's people and there's families that need to hear this message. And so as we read in the very end of Acts chapter five, they go house to house. All that to say, maybe you're thinking, Jonah, what does this have to do with that random dream that you shared at the very beginning? I feel like the Lord has highlighted to me through this weird dream of seeing someone die the Lord highlighted to me the reality that in my dream, when, when I saw the man drowning, I was thinking not about preserving this man's life, but I was thinking more of my comfort and, and my, my priority and my worship of comfort stopped me from intervening from this man and his grave, that there was so much more at stake than my comfort. And I remember in my dream after I was looking at this man that was dead in front of me, I remember just immediately saying, Jonah, 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 
oh, if only you can go back and do that over again. Because the reality is, I would, I would go back. After that moment of, of watching this man die, I would easily go back if I could and, and jump in that water a thousand, a billion, a trillion more times. And, and Because in that moment, I saw what the outcome of, of my decision was. And the outcome of my decision was this man's death. And, and no, like why would I prioritize my comfort over this person's life? It makes no sense. And likewise, these apostles had a burden, a urgency, very similar to that urgency that came to me after my decision and my bad decision of allowing this man to die. These apostles literally have seen the, the creator of everything, the creator of them come in flesh, dwell among them and dwell among us, live the life that they couldn't live and die a death that they, were, they deserved to die. And they, they watched this man be tortured and crucified. And they watched as, as this man said crazy things like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And in that moment that, 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 that Jesus gave his life, he died as a sacrifice to appease our transgressions against a holy God. What's so interesting is that we are living in a culture that is so concerned with others and, and, and if others are, are truly followers of Jesus as they claim to be, that we fail to see that we, we are the ones, we are the ones that need grace and mercy, love and compassion, because we so often are the ones that don't jump into the pools of uncomfortability, seeking those that, that are dying or are dead but instead we spend our time pointing fingers at those that aren't apparently doing what they should be doing. No one likes those type of people. We all have been in, at a school growing up. Remember where you were at school and there was that, there was that guy or girl that, that constantly was telling the teacher what the other people were doing wrong, but you yourself knew that they were the chief of that. <laughs> that they were hypocrites. They were so prioritizing, pointing fingers at others that they failed to see that they were part of the problem too. As followers of Christ, what if we are so broken in our hearts over our own complacency, over our own uncomfortability and our own worship and idolatry of self that we fail to see those that are dying around us? The scripture says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that we are all dead in our sins apart from Christ. Lord, help us see dead people to give us an urgency that is only through you that we can have life. For God so loved the world that you gave your only son in order that we should not perish, but have everlasting life. For you did not come to condemn the world, but that you came that the world may be saved through you. Followers of Jesus, may we be followers of Jesus, starting with a repentant heart that says, Father, forgive me for the times that I have failed to jump into the pool because I am so focused on the things that really don't matter. The apostles understood and that drove them to do the things that we look at, at, at with awe. 
But the reality is that the, the, the apostles didn't have anything that we don't have. The apostles had the Holy Spirit. And the apostles had a, a intimate relationship with Jesus that drove them to see things for what they really were. And likewise, we as followers of Christ have the Holy Spirit. If you have confessed your sins and said, Jesus, forgive me, I am yours. I believe that you are the Messiah that was promised in the Old Testament. And my life is yours. Lord, use me, use me, use me for your plan, your purpose. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, starting with me. If you have done that, the scripture says that you have received the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead that enables us to live out that, that exact calling of being a follower of Christ, being an imitator. The Bible calls us to be imitators of Christ, to be ambassadors of Christ. And that doesn't come from us doing that on our own strength, but that comes through the spirit of God dwelling inside of us that comes through surrender. Heavy heart, when we surrender our lives, he gives us the same boldness and strength and courage that the, the, the apostles had. But we are so just inundated with all this just static of just comfortability May we stop, 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 stop filling our hearts and minds and emotions and affections with the things that don't matter, like dry clothes. Because the moment that we start prioritizing stupid things like that, we start to fail to act when we see someone dead or dying. Yes, that was a dream I had. But I know that same heart of the man that was there that watched that person die is the same heart of the man that is speaking now. And I don't want that. I don't want that heart. Lord, help me. Help me have a heart that, 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 that is so more concerned about others than myself. Forgive me for the ways that I have failed to get into the pools that you've called me into just because it made me uncomfortable. Heavy heart. Who are the people in your life that instead of jumping in the pool and intervening, it's been so tempting to instead just prioritize comfort? You are a missionary called to jump into the pools of uncomfortability, of, of death, of disgust in order to draw others out not by your own strength. Because if you jump in that pool by your own strength, you will drown. <laughs> you will drown. The only way you can swim is by following the instructions of the instructor. So the question stands, where in our lives are we prioritizing our own comfortability over the needs of those around us that the Lord has allowed to be there? That if we, if, if you right now are listening or watching this, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been given a mandate. You have been given a calling from your creator, your leader, Christ himself, to go into the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and discipling them, bringing them from death to life, and, and, and giving them the same, the same calling the same commission that the leader has given you that you now give them. 
and going and making disciples of all the nations, letting them know, letting them know that they have a creator, savior, sustainer, and that creator, savior, sustainer has made himself known and he has a name and his name is Jesus and he is mighty to save. And the moments that we prioritize comfort, we are idolizing ourselves over worshiping our God. May we not follow in my footsteps of of the footsteps of that dream of just watching someone die just because it was uncomfortable to do something about it. But instead, may our love for others be motivation enough for us to do whatever it takes to, to reach them with the good news that Jesus saves and to meet a need. In that moment, moment, that man, he didn't need my words. He needed me to get in that water and to get him out. And likewise, we, we are called to go into uncomfortable places And maybe you yourself, you're in an uncomfortable place. Maybe there's an uncomfortable situation. May we ask our God, God, what do you want to do in this uncomfortable situation? What do you want to do? What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? Lord, help me have your eyes. Help me see dead men and dead women. Help me see that there is an urgent need for them to know you. And not only that, but for for me to use my life to meet their needs in order for there to be nothing that hinders them from coming to saving knowledge and relationship with you. The apostles got it. Whether they were flogged, or whether they were killed. They didn't care. They were so captivated. They were so motivated by the love of their Savior. And that compelled them to love one another as Christ has loved them, even if that meant obeying Christ and not human authority. Because likewise, I know the apostles had to have these words echoing in their head of Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. May we have the same message on our tongues, on our heart, on our mind that the apostles had as they walked away all scarred and bleeding and bloody. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. May that be the burning image in our head that goes, that, that is so far greater than anything that we can lose here. Jesus is the Messiah. May that transform how we interact with others. May that encourage us to have hard conversations with those that, that the Lord has been calling you to, to have those uncomfortable conversations with, but, but it's been very difficult to, because if you do, then you might have to give up something in return. May we trust our leader, knowing that he is enough and he will sustain us and anything that we lose, oh, he can pay, he can give back tenfold. The apostles were following something so much more greater than anything that they can lose. May that be our prayer. Lord God, just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, give us a burden. Break my heart, break our heart for what breaks yours. God, may we not see others through eyes of convenience or selfishness or greed or jealousy, but may we see others with a concern for them that stems from a love that goes between us to you, Jesus, and we see them through your eyes. Lord, help us not miss it. Help us not miss it. 
Lord, help us have hearts of repentance where there needs to be repentance. Lord, help us break over what breaks yours. Lord, help us deliberately put ourselves in uncomfortable places and scenarios and situations in order for us to realize the need that is all around us. And Lord, there are there are there are needs that that go into the to to the to the immediate. But Lord, more importantly, not only are there immediate needs around us, but there are there is a need to be reconciled to you that can only come through your son. So Lord, we're just asking for you to intervene and to give us strength and boldness through your spirit. Lord, forgive us for relying on our own strength, but instead may we rely on your strength through your spirit that is awake and alive within us, that enables us to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Jesus, please use us. We are yours. We are yours. Lord, for those that maybe are listening or watching this that never have invited you into their life and never have repented of their sins, and never had had that broken heart over their rebellion towards you and their alienation from you. And Lord, for those that want to be reconciled back into your family, Lord, will you please just lead them through repentance and help them call out and surrender saying, Jesus, take my life. I'm yours. Whatever you want to do with me, do it. Lord, I am yours. I'm yours. Lord, help me. Help me know you and help me make you known. Jesus, we look to you and we thank you that you are mighty to save when we are not. In your name we pray and we surrender. Amen. 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 Heavy heart, rest easy. But may we not rest in our comfortability, but may we rest in the creator, savior, and sustainer that gives us everything that we need for life and godliness according to his power that is working within us. May we be men and women not afraid to jump into the pool, even if that costs our own lives. Let's follow in the footsteps of our Creator, Savior, Sustainer, who gave it all for us. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Feel free to reach out if there's anything that I could be praying for you over or anything that you would love to share of what the Lord's been doing in your life. I look forward to talking to you, Lord willing, next week. God bless you. You have a great day. Talk to you later. See ya.